Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I'm your running host, Dean Thompson. Once again, Run for God founder Mitchell Hollis is in the house to muse about all things running and spiritual. Thanks for having me, Dean. What What does the word muse mean? Uh, to 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 think about, to ponder, to mull over. Never heard that word. You've never heard muse? No. Well, there you go. But you also started your intro different. I, I know everybody out there right now is thinking, what's wrong with Dean? He started his intro different. I did. Yeah. What did I say? You were a little more subdued than you normally <laughs> are. Well, I try to. I'm it's try, early right now, isn't it? I try. To we're doing it. this a lot earlier than we normally do. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't. I, I try to mix it up a little bit. Okay. You know, a little bit different motion each time. I don't. Okay. So you're not a bad mood or anything. No, okay. not at all. Okay. Not at okay. all. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> Hey, when you run a race, you know, there are people on the course to support you. Um, Today, we're going to share a well-written story about the best course support you can have. And then I'm going to share a story about looking at things through a motherly lens. You know, we just had Mother's Mm -hmm. Day, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So before we do that, you know, every week we, we have a sponsor now for the podcast. And by the way, if you're listening out there and you have a business and you would like to become a Run for God sponsor, you can reach out to Lane Hollis. All you got to do is simply shoot him an email at runlanehollis at gmail.com and he'll send you all the information but this week's sponsor is our local uh, hometown bank here in dalton is first bank of dalton you know they say your your bank choice is important because the privacy and security of your money is important and whether you're opening a checking account or you're getting a home mortgage your local first bank of dalton will have the best banking experience you can ask for no stress no hassle so thanks to all the all the folks down there at First Bank of Dalton, we really appreciate your support. Good folks down there. Well, it's time. We're on the, we're on episode 61. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. And I th- I don't think we've missed a week since we started doing this. We haven't. Which is uh really amazing based yeah. on just yours and mine's schedule. So we've went through the pandemic. Yes. We've went through all the seasons. We've went through a full year and now as of today, we're going through a gas shortage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've just covered it all. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you and I were just talking. Now, this is really only affecting the Southeast, I think. But uh, I didn't even know anything about it. This is how much news I watch nowadays. And I was going home yesterday, and all the gas stations were just lined out to the road. And so I turned the radio on to a, a station I don't normally listen to that has some news. And they were talking about the gas shortages. So I pulled in and got gas and called Holly and Lane and told them to fill it up. But but we're going to a state track meet this weekend down in Albany, Georgia. And it's kind of got me a little bit nervous. Or, you know, that's it's at least two tanks down there and back. Yeah. You know, that's it's kind of got me way. wondering, do I need to call ahead or load the back of my truck up with diesel tanks or <laughs> what I need to do? But, yeah. Yeah, somebody said we're back in the 70s again. 
you know, we have uh, we have gas shortages and lines at the gas station like we did in the seventies. We've got Iran's doing crazy stuff and all the Middle East stuff that's that's yeah. popped up that was happening back in the seventies. Uh, and we have inflation right now that's that's starting to kick in, and uh, that was a big thing back in the seventies. So. 70s we don't really want you back just saying <laughs> you know while we're there I, I, we've talked about my friend who's from israel before uh the, the gentleman that we talked about just a few weeks ago that his the guy that saved his life you know they were reunited after years but he sent me a video um yesterday that his son had sent him. his son and his two sons and daughter i think it's two sons and daughter live in tel aviv mm. and uh, i just i can't it blows my mind what the the hatred that's got. I mean, the video he sent me was rockets being launched, hundreds of them, into Tel Aviv. And, of course, Israel has this Iron Dome, which is incredible to watch it actually work. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's very few rockets penetrate into Tel Aviv. But, I mean, yeah, into Tel Aviv. But it, I, I just don't see how you – I don't see how you lived there. I mean, it was loud. I mean, it sounds like an all-out war going on, which I guess it is. But these are people just going to work and coming home and trying to go to bed, and they're hearing all this yeah. destruction going on outside. And, man, it's just um, – that area really needs a lot of prayer for sure. Yeah. And it, it really opened my eyes because, you know, my friend is from there, but his kids still are still there, there, and it – it kind of give me that, you know, that, that, um, the personal, first, yeah, kind of that first degree, you yeah. know, of separation from, from that area. And to see it not on the media, to see it come from somebody's cell phone that yeah. I know, um, really brought it home to me over the past few days. And, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's a bad situation over there. But yeah. I made the comment, this, it's not funny, but I was, I was asking the question kind of when did this, most recent tension really get this bad and so so i asked the question i said how has this been going on he said in his israeli voice he said have you read your bible (laughs) (laughs) and i was like well there you go uh Uh, it's very biblical uh, what's going on over there so anyway we'll move on our Facebook post for this week is kind of is a much shorter one, but a but an inspirational one. It comes from Angelia Giddens Counts, and uh, it said, "This morning I had at least eleven good reasons why I couldn't run five miles for the first time ever today, but now I have one awesome reason why I just did. His name is Jesus." Wow. That was a great, and I actually I gotta confess that Rebecca McGeorge sent this to me through mm-hmm. a text and said you, you need to put this one on the next podcast. <laughs> and so uh, Rebecca responded by saying, "I can't love this post enough. You're amazing, and with this attitude, God will do even more amazing things through you." Congrats, Angelia, on your first ever five miler. That's a great perspective. It's and it's great from both ends, you know. Yeah. It's it's a great perspective from from Angelia because it's, I mean, it, giving credit where credit's due, right? Yeah. Um, which is what we are supposed to do. But then for for Rebecca to come in and and be so motivational toward her, yeah, was was pretty awesome as well. So. Well, you know, we keep saying it, and we're going to keep we have said it, and we're going to keep saying it. That Facebook group. Mm. Guys, if if you're listening to this and you're not a member of Run Club, 
that that group you say it in your in the video the promotional video it's worth the price of entry just to be a part of that group um so yeah. we have a lot of reasons why you need to join run club but that's that's up there at the top yeah. is that group and the motivation inspiration that you get from other people i mean we can give a little bit but we we don't touch what that group does that that group is so organic and it's so uplifting and it's so motivational and inspiring you just you don't find groups like that on social media because a lot of times they become kind of vile and just get into politics and and society and opinions there's none of that on there no i mean we've had a one or two instances where we've kind of had to tamp things down and we do patrol it and everybody knows we patrol it that we're, we're not going to put up with any political angles this is this is a group that runs and loves jesus yeah and that's what it sticks to and it's fun yeah and i can't we i mentioned this i think we were talking recently and i talked about that show the biggest loser when Mm -hmm. it was on and i would talk to people who would say well if i had somebody who was encouraging me all the time then i could do that too well you know what this facebook group is it's the biggest loser. It's it's a constant feedback loop of positivity that helps keep you motivated from day to day. And yeah, it, it if that's been your excuse on why you can't run and why you can't exercise is because you can't stay motivated. And then you gotta, couple with that. I mean, it's so strange because, you know, we had the 5K, what, a month ago, however long ago. And we, you know, if you're part of Run Club, the, the Run for God 5K is free. If you can make it here, it's free. Well, it was so crazy that when we when we met these people we had never met before, we feel like we knew them. We feel yeah. like they were our friends because they were our friends. And True and story. it's hard to explain because you know I, I'm so anti um, technology in a lot of ways. Yeah, with especially with kids and things like that. But for this group, it's just different. You mm-hmm. feel like. You just feel like you know these people when you finally get to meet them face to face. It's like you just start picking up the conversation. It's not like there's introductions. Yeah. It's you already know them. You know their face. You know how fast they run. You know everything. Of, not everything about them. That'd be weird. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, felt, I felt the same way. Somebody would tell me their name and it would be like, ah. and then, you know, of course, some of them, you post enough pictures that you're like, ah, I know who that is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like a celebrity sighting. Right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> You've I mean, known them. you know, they they think we're some kind of celebrity, and it's completely the opposite. We're <laughs> like, hey, that's such and such. That's such and such. Yeah. We know them. We see them walking up to, you know, come meet us, and we're like, hey, I know who you are. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's 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 very cool. It, it is. Our trivia question from last week was this: What Olympic track and field athlete has won more Olympic medals than any other? Give me the male. And the female. And so, did, did you happen to know this? Well, this is the first time I've seen this question because I wasn't here last week. Oh, that's right. You weren't here but last week. But if you ask me the most decorated swimmer, I would know. But no, I yeah. didn't know this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot more events in swimming Yeah, that, uh, that you can be successful in. But anyway, yeah, we talked about this guy. We had a specific question about this guy back, um, gosh, it's been a couple of few months ago. Pavo Nermi which is also another name as, as the flying fin mm-hmm. um again 1920 to 1928 olympics he won nine gold medals and three silvers 
Um, he went undefeated for 121 consecutive races in, in distances that ranged from 800 meters to 10K. Wow. Uh, or maybe it was, I think it was 20K maybe. It was, it was a long way. And uh, that just, that's incredible. Because, I mean, and as a distance runner, you know, you just have bad days. And for 121 consecutive races, he didn't. Uh, or at least he didn't have a bad enough day somebody could beat him. Uh, he was uh, he was the one who was going to end his Olympic career with the marathon, if you remember us talking about that. And because of politics and other things going on, they wound up – because he was from Finland and there was somebody from Norway and it's a big Scandinavian rivalry. And Anyway, he wound up not being able to run that, that Olympic marathon. Or he probably would have had 12 Olympic medals. But the best American Olympic athlete is Carl Lewis, who Mm -hmm. is still around today. He went to the University of Houston and still hangs around the University of Houston today um, and and hangs around with those folks. As a matter of fact, one of the guys you know, Cole Booker, Mm -hmm. um, he just sent me a picture recently of him and Carl Lewis. Oh, uh, really? And I can't remember. I'll bet that made Coe's day. And Steve Magnus, it was. Yeah. He's the coach at the University of Houston. Uh, Yeah, it did. It, It made my day. To see Co hanging out with uh Yeah, Co is such a you know, there's there's runners and there's running nerds and you're both <laughs> and Co is both. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm a runner but I'm not a running I don't I don't get into the history and the but yeah, you and Co and Lane. Lane's yeah. the same way. Yeah. Um yeah. I think Co's more so than Lane. Yeah. But uh but yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I I would have I would have probably guessed if you said American Carl Lewis. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know overall. Yeah. Well, he ran back in the 80s and 90s. He was probably not more that I would say he doesn't have the world record in the long jump, but I would say he's the greatest long jumper in history. Um, The 92 Olympics, um, he covered the last 100 meters of the four by one in nine or excuse me, 8.85 seconds. I remember watching that. And there's there there are a couple of guys who have run a little bit faster than that. Um, One of them being. of course, Usain Bolt. You've probably heard that mm-hmm. name before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, I can't remember there, but there was a hand-timed Bob Hayes. Do you know who Bob Hayes is? Mm-mm. Bob Hayes was an Olympic sprinter, won the gold medal back in the '68 Olympics. Bob Hayes was an American. He was crazy fast. He was also a football player. And Bob Hayes, they say, hand-timed, and it's a lot harder to get it accurate hand-timed. He ran nine eight point five seconds for the last hundred meters in the sixty eight Olympics, so uh, that that's an incredible statement. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, and then anyway, Carl Lewis won nine gold medals and one silver. So he, he, comp- he competed in ten events, nine of them he won. Um, he's one of only three Olympic athletes to win four consecutive gold medals um, in any event, um, and he did that in the long jump. At one point, he had an unbeaten streak of 61 events in the long jump, and he jumped over 28 feet 71 times. That is a number that I, I still can't, I can't get over. I didn't realize that until I read that recently, and I thought, that is um, – because it's 28 feet. I mean, you're getting close to the world record at 28 feet. He's doing what is the world record? 29, four and a half. Wow. Carl Lewis's longest jump was 29, two and a half. And it happened at the same time the jump that was twenty nine four and a half happened. So this world record for the long jump stayed was was around till nineteen ninety one, and in nineteen ninety one it was Carl Lewis and Mike Powell battling each other. Carl Lewis comes in, 
breaks the world. The world record was 29-2. He, he jumps 29-2 and a half, breaks the world record. It couldn't count as a world record, though, because it was wind-dated. I don't know if everybody knows what that means, but it couldn't count, let's just say. Uh, but he was winning the meet, and then Mike Powell comes in right behind him and jumps 29-4 and a half. I want to say I've seen that video. Oh, crazy, crazy. Because it was almost, I think there was one or two people in between them, but it was almost back-to-back, wasn't it? It was. It was. I remember watching it live, and I remember, because um, I'm old, you know. Yeah. Very. Uh, we've established that, I think. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> I remember watching it live, and it was like, have you ever watched a boxing match where the two boxers are just knocking the fool out of each yeah. other, and you're just waiting for somebody to fall? That was what it was like. It was like yeah. two heavyweights. Just, yeah, I think I've seen that video before. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, the most decorated female athlete is Allison Felix. I love Allison Felix. I just her her just her attitude, her personality is just delightful. Uh, but man, when she gets on the track, she is something. She won nine medals at the Olympics. Six of them were gold. Um, she was a member of a bunch of relay teams. Most of those gold medals came on relay teams. She ran the fastest split ever for an American woman for the four hundred meters. She ran. 47.72 seconds for a split in the 4x4. Four four. <laughs> that is nuts. Uh, the only two who ever ran faster were probably dopers because they came from uh, East Germany back in the day when East Germany was um, into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So she finished second in the 200 meters at the 2004 Olympics at the age of 18. Wow. So she, she started very early, was good very early. And she was actually in a meet this weekend, this past weekend. Okay, So that's 2004. Mm-hmm. She's in the Olympics winning medals. And then 17 this, years later. Se, yeah, 17 years later, she's still running, I think, 22.2 something, finished second place in, a, in an elite. At um, 45 years old. Yeah, just awesome. Wow. Just awesome. Uh, 35. Is it 35? Uh, yeah. Um, and here's the the thing that I think is... is oh, yeah, you're right, 35. The, Sorry. <laughs> My ass off this morning. The difference between people like Allison Felix, who, who do win gold medals, who are these great athletes, uh, and something that I think we can take something from, not necessarily exactly what she did, but she was seen crying after this event. She's 18 years old. She finishes second in the Olympics, and that's not good enough for her because she didn't win. Um, and that's kind of the way the best in the world do things. Now, I'm not suggesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm not suggesting we should all be crying every time we don't run a PR or right. whatever. But it's that attitude of I, I want so bad to be better. I want so bad to break through that wall. I want so bad to reach that goal that makes them so special. Yeah, I think that mentality is different, though. It's it's not a um, – you know, there's two ways to be upset after an event. It's it's the mad uh, – I don't know. There's two different – I don't know what I'm trying to say. There's two different attitudes of you, – you see some of the attitudes of athletes that we know. We've seen it before where it's just like they're – they're mad. They're almost kind of blaming it on something, and and that's one. That's the wrong way to be upset after race. But I'm sure for her, it was it was an internal thing, and it was I could have done more. This won't happen again, and that's that's a great. I mean, that's a great motivator. Yeah. Um. But that can also be a 
that same attitude can be a bad. It can be. Yes. I don't know how I'm trying to say that, but it we've can, seen it. I think you know what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. And it can lead to destruction for sure. Right. No question about it. But but yeah, there, there's a fine line. There's a really fine line there as to being tough on yourself. And, there's a passion and a pride yeah, type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the one of the girls on the high school team um, who has been a state champion in the past mm-hmm. um, and and isn't running as well now. Uh, we we've had lots of discussions, but her her attitude after a race is that was terrible, and it, it's not a it's it's not a she didn't blame it on anybody. She just goes that's not good enough, mm-hmm. uh, and consequently she's gotten faster every race, and she's she's getting pretty close to getting back where she was. So. Maybe this weekend will be the maybe so this, aha moment. This is the time for the it state. Happen. The state meet here in Georgia is this weekend. By yep. the way, by the uh, time this comes out, it will be history. Right. Yep. The couch to marathon. We're we're in the ten k phase. We're getting close to halfway through now. It's it's going good. Now I will say we've been having a lot of questions about Disney. Disney has still yet to release any details about anything. I got a text last night from somebody saying, Disney's sold out. And I'm like, what? Disney's not even open yet. So I'm starting to panic because I'm thinking, did I miss something? And I knew we had all been checking. It was the virtual from last year. And yeah, it was from last year. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're going to, I think it's a good sign maybe that they haven't announced anything yet. I mean, their their parks are wide open now. Yeah. Um, Florida is wide open. Um, so I've, I'm I'm really hopeful that Disney's gonna happen because we're all pinning a lot of stuff on that race <laughs> yeah. happening. But the Couch Marathon's going great. Uh, we've still got a, a good core group of people who are trotting along. We're seeing the post there again. We're seeing the the Facebook group and everybody's posting the runs and how it's going. And um, but it's tough. This old guy right here. You know, I'm I've said it. I've been talking about it. I'm right there with all you guys and. Uh, I made the mistake again this past weekend of going out and doing a run with Dean here. And, he uh, did fine. No, I didn't. That was terrible. <laughs> that was just one of those runs where you're like, it was. It wasn't a good run. Well, I enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> but we did get to we we found a. It's cool how we thought we were just going out in a a bad part of town of Atlanta, and we wound up finding a one of those rails to trails. Yeah. Top trails and that was nice place to run that was pretty cool yeah but uh but yeah i come home and then two days later had a great run so maybe it's just running with you i always have bad runs that may be that may be the problem i'm gonna blame it on you anyway Uh, that's a fine with me (laughs) as usual we're sponsored by j radio if you haven't checked out j radio yet and the the playlists from your run for god folks um and from you personally you're mm-hmm. there is a run for god playlist out there from people who submitted their songs online so go out there and check out J radio as a mom i want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar their car seats have to be nationally cps certified and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man i just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at JRadio.com and download the new J-Radio app in your app store.
as always, you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com. And again, if you don't know about what Run For God is and you just happen to find this podcast online and you're going, what is this Run For God stuff all about? Well, go to runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com. Find out more about what Run Run Club's about because I think that you're going to find something that maybe you've been missing. Maybe there's a little bit of hole inside of you somewhere that you've been looking to fill, and this is the thing that's going to fill it. And we want to hear your story. We share stories every week. This story that I'm sharing this week, I just received in this past week. Mm-hmm. And so um, – we're, we're getting stories, and we're getting them up pretty quick. So if you share your story, you may find it on, on this podcast within a week or two. Uh, so share your story. Let us know what your story is, and don't tell me that you don't have a story. We all have a story. Because you do. Now, what about people that say, I would love to come tell my story live? Can they do that? Yes, they can. We had that just last week. So, John, where did John come from again? John came from South Carolina, from uh, uh, around Charleston area. And that happened pretty quick order, didn't it? It did. He sent you the story, and then he was, boom, he was here like a week later. I think I got his email on Monday, and he was here He was here Thursday. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, John. Uh, and John was a lot of fun to, to talk to and to listen to. And um, you're going to – you haven't even heard it yet. I haven't. So, uh, yeah, good story. And so, yeah, we'd love to have by you the times this this airs, I will have heard it. but that is yeah, right. i don't i don't I don't get the the advantage of like you do. you're you're putting all this stuff together, but i don't I don't get to hear them until they come out on the podcast the same time everybody else hears them. So that's probably exciting. Yeah, I mean, to it hear is it that I, I, and that's that's the, that's where I knew that this podcast was doing what we hoped it would do because, I don't like to hear myself talk. I don't like to watch myself on camera, but I actually love listening to these podcasts. And it's, I don't know. I think it's just, um, we hear it all the time. It's its not anything that we're doing. It's, it's the content that we're bringing. It's these awesome stories that we talk about and we tie those into scripture. And it's just really fun to listen to. Um, so yeah, actually Lane told me just, last week or the week before last that he wants to come on here with you again yeah um so i think people like coming on here and and bannering back and forth with you i think they can they all think they can do it better than me and and they can so (laughs) i'm more than happy to step aside and Uh, um take a back seat don't know that that's true but it's a lot of i can't wait to hear john's story yeah it is it's really inspirational you know, we talk about volunteers all the time, and, you know, we can't put on a good race. We've put on a number of races, and we can't do it without volunteers working really hard. But there's more to it than that. There's a lot of setup to a race. Um, I remember when we used to set up for the triathlon, the hours and hours and hours of uh, – and the rolls and rolls and rolls of duct tape on the ground and yeah. just, my goodness. You ever want to know which duct tape works best – for uh putting lines on the road we know what it is it's the duct tape brand duct tape brand yeah Yeah. don't get the cheap stuff because it won't stick to the road well don't get the expensive stuff either because it won't either that's true you can buy that uh what is it uh what's the the really heavy duty well it's it's actually that is actually duct tape for duct work yeah you know they like heat and air contractors they don't use duct tape brand right because it doesn't it doesn't stick well to they use like 3m yeah they use the really expensive stuff yeah but that stuff doesn't work for the 
the, it, the redneck stuff. That's right. It, it peels right up off the road. <laughs> right. But the duct brand. The duct brand duct, duct tape brand. will yeah. stick to anything. Yes. Yeah. And, it'll and get rid forever. of warts. It will, it will do all kinds of things. <laughs> well, I know I've seen some of the lines we put down. They're still there a year later. Multiple years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So um, duck brand duct tape, if you want to go ahead and send your endorsement sponsorship in now, you can you can mail that to us. So. Amen. But it's great stuff. Uh, Is that where you were going with this? Well, not exactly, but, you know, uh, we just don't want to take for granted the set, the course setups and the things sure. that happen to us before we get to a race. Um, but there's more to course support than even that, and we're going to talk about that in this story from Holly Wick from Jefferson Hills, Pennsylvania, and the title of her story is The Perfect Course Support. I'm a bit of a latecomer to the running game, having run my first race just before turning 40. But I have made up for it over the last decade by completing more than 100 races, ranging from one mile to marathon and beyond. Of the many lessons running has taught me, one of the best is to appreciate the course support. And I don't just mean the water stops and aid stations staffed by helpful volunteers, but the course signage and mile markers along the way. Similarly, as I look back upon my faith journey with the goal of sharing it with others, it seems a natural approach to consider some of the mile markers of the race I've endured, the challenges I've encountered, and the vital support that God has provided throughout. Have you ever had a dream where you showed up at the start line completely untrained and unprepared? The fact is, I was not born into or raised by a family of faith. My parents' experience with religion had left them with a vague disdain for God and church, so my brother and I had to look elsewhere for answers to any questions we had. Unfortunately, before we could find them, my brother died in a motorcycle accident. This left one parent rejecting God completely and another parent pursuing whichever religion would tell us that my brother was in a better place even though he knew no more about Jesus than I did. But around that time, at about mile marker 16, I discovered a water stop in the form of another dream. I was sitting at the edge of a deep, dark pool of water. A man approached, placed his hand on my shoulder, and said to me, You will always be okay. Even then, I believed that man to be Jesus, Only much later did I realize that the reason I would always be okay wasn't because of who I was, but because of who he was, and because he had laid his hand on me. Still, I veered off course, ignoring the signage. During college and graduate school, I studied biology and evolution, rubbed elbows with atheists, and attended lectures that promised to answer all of life's mysteries through the application of science. But I also met a fellow graduate student, a Christian, who challenged the idea that science was incompatible with faith. She told me about a God who made me, loved me, and wanted a relationship with me. If only I placed my faith in Christ. However, when I asked about my brother, who had died not knowing Jesus, I could not accept her gentle answer. I did not want to run a race where my brother would not be at the finish line. At around mile 20, I fell in step with a handsome young Navy man named Tim. We chased each other off and on for about six years before finally catching each other for good. Shortly after we got engaged, his mother warned me that Tim's life and heart didn't belong to me, 
but to one who had an eternal claim. She also gave me my first Bible as a wedding present and wrote inside, as you seek truth, I pray you will find it. Distance runners are familiar with the phenomenon called hitting the wall. When your energy resources abruptly run out and you have to either quit or find a way to replenish and push through. Tim and I had been married three years when I hit my wall, which came in the form of an argument over the different courses we were following. I had thought it sufficient to go to church occasionally and had even agreed to raise our children as Christians. Never mind that I had not accepted Christ myself. He had spent the last three years praying for my salvation and gently witnessing to me, but it wasn't until that night that he directly confronted me with his belief that I was condemned. Suddenly, I came to the awful realization that I wasn't, excuse me, that I was an unfit partner for my running mate. I considered quitting, ending our marriage. I knew that the only way to replenish and push through was to understand and believe as he did. For the first time, I prayed in earnest. I prayed for God, who I'd always thought unknowable, to make himself known to me, to show me the way so that I could be saved, so my marriage could be saved. What I needed was an aid station. So that Sunday, Tim and I went to church. I approached an elder and asked to join a class on biblical doctrine. In addition to the Bible, I read books on theology and apologetics. I conferred with Tim and corresponded with his mother. And one by one, my doubts crumbled. I came to accept the history and authority of the Bible, the reality of Jesus, and the power of his death on the cross. I found answers to questions I didn't even know I had about who I was, the futility of being a good person, and why the world was so beautiful and broken at the same time. I came to see God as not the opposite of science, but the author of science, and that science was a gift to help us know his creation. Finally, God overcame my last barrier, my question about my brother, with this simple truth. If my brother was in heaven, he wanted me to join him. If he was not, he wanted me to know the truth that would set me free and spare me his fate. Where he was was less important than where I was going. And so, at about mile 31, I attended a very special water stop where I made my confession of faith and was baptized. Ever since, like the author of Hebrews, I seek to run with perseverance the race marked out for me, fixing my eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of my faith. In other words, Jesus is not just my personal savior, but my personal pacer. As I now approach the half century of my life, he has been with me through two deployments, many moves, the birth of our two children, and the ongoing challenges of raising them in faith in a broken world. There have been, and continue to be, some really trying and tiring times. But as he has been all along, since before I was even born, God is there to correct my course, give me strength, and see me to the finish the ultimate race director, providing the best course support and waiting at the finish line with my prize. Paul tells Timothy in his first letter, While boldly training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That is why, 
of all the finisher medals I've received that commemorate my athletic achievements, none mean as much to me as the cross that graces my neck now, the symbol of my faith in Jesus Christ. That's an incredible story. I love that. Holly, great job. Yeah. That imagery of, of our age being <laughs> being like signposts and checkposts. Checkpoints along the way. Mile markers. Yeah, yeah. that's uh I've never I've never heard it put that way. That was a incredible analogy. Yeah, you know, this story is not a typical one. Right. Not not real you know, most folks that don't first of all, if they get married to somebody who's a believer, a lot of times the marriage never works out. Um if one's not a believer, mm-hmm. because it's it, it's an incompatibility thing, yeah. we 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 tell people oftentimes, you know, you, you want to marry somebody who is of the same faith and has very similar beliefs to you because of that reason, and in this case, um, gosh, God put them together for a reason. It's very clear, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I I've mentioned on here. I listen to Dave Ramsey a lot, and he said that the, the three biggest hiccups in marriage are money in-laws and beliefs faith religion yeah um if you're not on the same page about those three things then you're in for a rocky road but yeah i mean you have to wonder was this was this god's plan all along yeah um and we don't know the answer you know there's some contradictions there maybe yeah um but obviously god's hand was in this yeah and uh yeah I mean, it's just a it's a, i think i think this story is going to speak to a lot of people i think so i too. really do yeah romans eight twenty eight says and we know that all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose i love the verse and we've talked about that verse a number of times and several verses back you see you have this this uh, sentence as well for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us um, when we talk about the the thing where the all things work together for good a lot of times we're using that in the context of bad things happen but god's working those things to to for our good ultimately mm-hmm. um but when you look back, these several verses back, and you see the, the origin of this and how we started this whole conversation, all of these things that we go through that might be tough things, they're nothing. Right. They're absolutely nothing compared with what we're going to see one day. Yeah. It's an incredible thought. It is. Um, <clears throat> again, she took kind of an unconventional path to the cross. Um, it was filled with pain. It was filled with doubt. I can't imagine going through the thoughts that went through her mind about her brother that is um gosh i I just can't i can't imagine that it it never happened my brother actually was in a car accident when i was i think i was 12 Mm -hmm. and um uh, he was on his bike and a car hit him and he was uh, unconscious for three days Mm. and they they called my parents in said doesn't look like he's gonna make it i was only 12 and I remember the pain and the thoughts and the, the this whole idea. And I didn't even know how bad it was at, the, at that point. Um, I can't imagine uh, going through all of that. Um, but all of those things that she went through eventually came together to form a picture that's incredible. And that the final thoughts about her brother, as painful as I'm sure that, that, that it is, um, that is the correct picture and the right way to look at it. Yeah. And God brought her to that. 
God will use things. Uh, this is a great example of Romans eight twenty eight. The way God right. used that. First um, Timothy four eight, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise for the life that is now and is of the life that is now and that and of that which is to come. I'm sorry, I'm butchering that this morning, but <laughs> uh, yeah. He's comparing the training of an athlete to our spiritual life. And it's 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 literally exactly what this podcast is about. Yeah. It's what Run for God is about. It's exactly what, what we do, right? Yeah, it's it's the catalyst by which we share the gospel, which mm-hmm. I mean this this verse of scripture can be translated into so many other areas yeah. of our life. They're using the illustration of exercise here, but you know, we we should be taking the opportunity and using whatever our gift is. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talk a lot about running on here, but you know, you may be a, a fisherman, you may be a golfer, you may be um, a person who does stretching and yoga and things like that. I, I think the point is all of those things profit us a little. You know, we. But too many times we put those things mm-hmm. way up high where they shouldn't be. What we should be doing is keeping those in check. They profit us a little, and we should be using those things to share the gospel. That's that's ministry. That's yeah. the heart of ministry. Um, you can you can take something that can easily become an idol and look at it through a different lens and use that passion for that. Because God gives us these passions. God gave us the passion for running. But it's what we do with that passion is what really matters. Yeah, it reminds me of the story that I've told on here before about running every day for the last 10 years except one. Yeah. And that one day and God giving me that message of you're fine. It's okay to be passionate about what you're doing as long as you keep me first. And and, and his message to me was, I feel like you're keeping me first. And, right. and so that was – it was a good message to have that, that I'm kind of living – uh, by this um, <clears throat> the the thing about training is and, and when we talk about athletes when we apply this scripture specifically when we run we're benefiting ourselves in the short term mm-hmm. if we quit running today if I, I'm in really good shape right now if I quit running today um, it's not going to affect me for about a month but then after about a month I'm going to see some serious declines mm-hmm. Our spiritual health is completely different because once we're his, that's forever. It's not for a month. It's not for a year. It's not for a lifetime. It's forever. And and that's why it's so important that we look at the physical training and the things that we do, the running, the yoga, the whatever it is that we do, as less than. Yeah, but I, I would also take another spin on what you just said in – I believe our spiritual life is just like running in that I'm looking at this from a little bit different lens. Mm -hmm. If when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you're a child of God and that, that is sealed forever for eternity, but your spiritual health can get in bad shape. You know, if I'm a child of God, I know where I'm spending eternity, but if I get out of the word and I stop talking to God, my relationship with God's going to get rocky. That's true. It's going to get, it's going to get out of shape, 
and it's that constant connection and and talking to Christ. It's it's exactly the same as our workouts. Yeah. And yeah. in my mind, it's exactly the same because, you know, you know, I looked at my schedule this morning. and I got that three mile run today. Well, I have a choice. I'm I'm still a runner, whether I do that three mile run today or not. But what's going to make me more fit as a runner? It's getting that three mile run in. I look at my Bible this morning. And I've got the choice to open it or leave it closed laying on my desk. At the end of the day, I'm still a child of God, but one's going to make me much more. It's One's going to make me flourish much more, whether I'm a runner or whether I'm a child of God. And that's just so important. It's we, we don't need to we don't need to we don't need to become a runner and sit back and just call ourselves a runner and live with that the rest of our life because. That's not good, and we don't need to accept Christ and just sit back and say, we've got it made. Yeah. And if you truly are a child of God, that's not going to be your attitude. You know, if if that is your attitude, well, I checked that box, you may need to go back and revisit your salvation. Was it yeah. genuine at the time? And um, so I, I personally believe if people make that statement or people ask that question – um. Something may not have been right from the beginning. That's a good point. That's two perspectives on the same thing. Yeah, exactly. That, that are completely different, but really, they all lead to the same thing. Right. First Corinthians nine twenty four. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. This doesn't mean that we should always be out just just to beat others, uh, particularly to beat others down. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to win a prize because uh, that, sometimes we think that uh, we, I think sometimes we can misread that particular scripture in that way he's talking about preparing ourselves like an athlete prepares themselves to win mm-hmm. um, and when we do that and you just mentioned you gave good examples of doing that um, then that's when that that's what he's talking about there he's not talking about beating everybody else to heaven he's talking about training in such a way and being that type of person that you you do all the things you can do to get there sure yeah um yeah (laughs) you and i have had this discussion before about running races with less than your best effort i don't like it yeah (laughs) because you know sometimes in in a high school track meet um you just it's a team sport Sure. So you want to get points, and so sometimes there, I, I would argue, there is a time to 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 give less than your full effort. I agree, there is a time. You're gonna get my blood boiling here. <laughs> I I don't like I don't I don't like I don't like that. That should never be mentioned. I understand that. Let's say you're you're running the the mile at the beginning of a track meet and you're running the two mile at the end of the track meet and the two mile is your race. That's just, that's the one that you're going to go all the way with. And so you take it easy on the mile. That's okay to do that. But where I get frustrated sometimes is when I hear athletes, especially young athletes, they either get up to the start line and they're like, oh, I'm not really going to run this hard. Or they get done and they obviously get beat and they say, 
well, I'm just preparing for the two mile. No, then don't run the race. If you're going to say anything like that, then don't run the race. If if you go out and you back it down and you get beat, your attitude at the finish line is, I got beat. Because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're making yourself look like an excuse maker at the finish line. But you're also taken away from the person who won's victory. Yep. And I don't I don't like that. Like I said, I understand the physiological, the training. It's 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 calculated, but keep that to yourself. Yeah, kind of like fasting. Yeah, if you're yeah, fasting, that's good, good enough. Fast. That's that's biblical, but it also says, you know, keep it to yourself. Yeah, you know, do it. You have your reasons and keep those reasons to yourself. Yeah, and what what's being argued here um, from from prior scripture is. They're arguing that the people of Corinth should be willing to give up eating meat that is offered to idols, not because it is a an absolute necessity to do it, but because it can cause other people to look at them and to stumble is what the way that it's, sure. it's put. And um, that's what you don't want in the case of of a in, in a case of a track meet you, you don't want it to look like you're it, it's fine if you're gonna if you're gonna get into a meet you're, and you're gonna do something to score some points but the way that you present yourself afterwards is really important and that's what you're saying right and it's exactly what they're talking about here with with the meat it's you know don't get to the table and say well, my God says that I can eat meat, but because you guys don't believe that, I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. That's kind of like getting up to the start line of a track meet and saying, I'm really not going to run that. I can smoke every one of you, but I'm not going to run that this right. way. So just know I'm going to concede and allow myself to get beat. That's what, biblically, that's what it's saying here is don't have that attitude. Or, or I'm going to run just hard enough to beat you. Right. Yeah. And I have a problem yeah. with that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it should not it should not be known what you're doing yeah. you know if if i'm trying to think of some examples because you know if we're not going to get into alcohol we're not going to get into all that stuff but the the reason i don't drink alcohol is because i grew up in an alcoholic home and i grew up with an alcoholic dad who recovered the last seven or eight years of his life from that. Well, if I would have had a beer on my kitchen counter when my dad walked in, being a recovering alcoholic who drank for 40 years and it ruined his life, <laughs> I would never say, I mean, I didn't, I don't drink to begin with. But I would never go to my dad and say, I'm not drinking because yeah. you're around it's, here. It's yeah. it's it's things that you internalize and it's things that you don't do because it's a conviction. Yeah. And conviction is internal and that's really where it should stay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. Good analogy. Question one, how has God corrected your course? I I look at God. I look at course correction as as a lot of micro corrections, right? Mm -hmm. There are certainly you know time your dad good example. 
you know, at one point in time, he made a drastic change mm-hmm. in direction. Sure. Uh, and sometimes that happens. But I think sometimes we neglect to think about <clears throat> the micro corrections that we have. Um, you know, <laughs> we like to think about ripping the Band-Aid off, <laughs> but we don't think about all the times that we just kind of nudge things or he just nudges us back in place. Um, most of the time for me, it's it's something subtle like that. Um, and, and, and he know he knows my personality. Um, and he knows that that's the best way to handle me sometimes mm-hmm. is just to, to gently go, you know, you're heading in the wrong direction. He knows I'll look down and go, oh, yeah, I am. And boom, I'm, I'm right back on on, on task. Um, and I think that's important that we recognize that when we talk about course corrections, when we, the question is, how has God corrected your course? I think we, all, we always think about that as I remember running a race one time where everybody was pointed in the wrong direction. We made a turn. We went the wrong direction. We got out in the middle of a road and was like, where do we go now? Because <laughs> there was nobody there to point us anywhere because we were off the course completely. And, um, you know, so w- we just went the wrong way. That's what we think of when we think of problems with the course. Yeah. But often problems with the course are just, I went around a cone that I didn't need to go around and went extra long. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, very, it's a much more subtle you know i actually had a young man this kind of makes me think of this story um here a while back we were, we were talking about you know our our christian life and and testimony and your story and you know we talk a lot about stories on here and this was a young man and he he kind of made the the statement to me he you know he this young man was brought up in a christian home um he was always pointed in the right direction, which is good. Um, he he never really did anything bad. He he had what a lot of people call a vanilla story, and he was actually a little bit bothered by that. That you know, he said, "I don't, I don't, I don't have that story. I didn't overcome." anything and i mean it hurt my heart when i heard that because that is such a lie from the Mm -hmm. pit of hell yeah um he felt like he not that he needed something but he felt like he lacked something because he didn't have that my dad's story or you know the, the so many of the stories that we hear on here and and i explained to him that I mean, they, yeah, these some of these radical stories are the ones you hear about the most because that's where you can see God the most clearly. But God works in everybody's story. And mm-hmm. it's, by and large, he's making micro-adjustments with people. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he, he's using the finishing lawnmower on most people. And for some people, he's got to get the bush hog out. Uh, yeah. And... To, to think, and I know we have people listening who think, well, I never had that big radical thing, so I really don't have a story. Well, this young man I'm thinking of, he has an incredible story. He has a story that we've talked about on this podcast before. But don't ever allow the devil, and that's exactly who it is, putting these thoughts in your minds, mm-hmm. think that your story is not worthy enough to change and be used 
to lead people to Christ because that's a lie. That's yep. a pure lie. Um, and when you started talking about these court, these micro corrections, that's what made me think about it because by and large, that's most of us. Yeah. Most of us don't have the radical drug addiction, crazy stories that you hear of, but God can use all of our stories no matter how vanilla we may think they are because everyone owns a God story. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things, too, about this question, it says, how has God corrected your course? And, and the how is, you know, he does it through people. He does it through things that happen. He does it through something that you just see or hear. You know, you're just, you, you ever have those days? Mm-hmm. You're just driving along and something's on the side of the road and, and something, boom, God just, and, and you realize that God put that thing there. So, sure. I, so I would remember that. Um, he does it. I like to say he he gets our attention with all five senses, mm-hmm. um, and most of the time it's small things like you're talking about that make the difference. Yeah. Question two: How does God give you strength? You know, He gives us all sorts of strength. Um, we think of strength, and we we often think. Uh, it, I guess everybody's mind probably goes in one of two directions either physical or spiritual. Mm-hmm. And God gives us both, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I think for me it's those street lights. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about that on here. The or We talk a lot about God will light up that street light, and it's like he always knows. I say it's like he always knows. He always knows when you know faith is starting to because we all struggle with faith we all struggle with belief and having the strength because it takes strength to believe yeah what the word of god says and and he's an he's an on-time god you know you hear that cliche but it's true you're you're waiting under that street light you're where god you know you god wanted you and you know the street light seems like it's starting to dim and boom that next one comes on. Yeah. And to me, that's the source of strength is, is God lighting up what's next yeah. in my life. Yeah, it's a good point. And the, the types of strength that he gives us, uh, you, Holly tells the story here with about her brother. Mm-hmm. Well, God has given her the strength to see that and, and to be able to endure that and get to a point where she understands the meaning of it. Um, God gives us the strength to get outside our comfort zone when it's time for us to go and talk to somebody about Jesus. If we've been close and we've got that personal relationship with Christ, he's going to give us the strength that we need to do that when the time is appropriate. Um, That's a different type of strength. Those are just different examples of strength. And then we can talk about how he gives us strength. And I think it's different in every situation. Um, the way he gives strength to witness is not the same as the way he gives strength to endure hardship, for example. Um, but it's all strength, and it's all different types of strength. I think that was from when I started this, This from this question is, we all have an idea of what strength is, but strength is a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Question three, how will God greet you at the finish line? Hopefully with a high five, a handshake, and a hug, because that's what I like to do. Uh, not a fist bump. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm not that guy. Yeah, I have been the past year. Uh, 
through other people's choice. But yeah, I just I just <laughs> see this picture. You know, that's why I love our finish line. Yeah. I think it's a picture of our finish line. I think I think it's a picture of what took place when we had everybody in town for the race and we were all together and all different shapes, sizes, colors. Everybody there for the same reason and everybody high-fiving each other at the finish line. That's that's my hope that that's what yeah. my walk into heaven looks like is the finish line, finish line of the biggest race I've ever done. Yeah. And the picture of the uh, the prodigal son is such a great picture. Very different picture, but yeah, it's a exactly, very different yeah. picture. But it's it's kind it's more intimate. Yeah, and when you get to the finish line of a race, it doesn't matter what happened prior to that. Right. I can think of marathons where you know that I've just completely tanked, really, really had a difficult time in. But when you get to the finish line, it's still the finish line, mm-hmm. and you're still glad to be there. And you're, yeah, you're way off pace. You didn't run the race you wanted to, but you're glad to be there. The prodigal son, the prodigal son didn't run the race he wanted to run, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. But when he got there, God was there with his arms wide open. His, well, his father was there with with his arms wide open not bringing up where have you been not bringing up you made a dumb mistake not not bringing all that stuff up but just going you're here you're at the finish line it doesn't matter what happened before it doesn't matter how bad your race was it doesn't matter what you did with all that money you're here Hmm. and welcome and i think that's just an awesome picture yeah yeah it's really humbling when you think about it because we don't deserve any more than the prodigal son did. No. Um, but he says he shall wipe away every tear. No more pain and no more sorrow. Um, <laughs> do you think – I've often thought about why is there going to be no pain in heaven? Are we not going to know about what's happened in the past? Or are we just going to be so focused on worshiping God – that the things that happened in the past won't matter. Because you can picture both of those possibly being true, right? Yeah, we've ha- I've, I've had this conversation before. You know, it's th- – this is where my lack of biblical doctrine is going to show here. Because, well, and me too. Because I should have – because I've talked about this before, and I should have looked into it more, but – isn't there references to you will know who's not there? Yeah. And so that kind of, to me, I, I, this is one of those God things where we just don't understand that. Because yeah. if I know that somebody's not there, that they took a different path. Yeah. And they're not in heaven. To me, that would mean sorrow. Right. But Scripture's very clear that there is no more sorrow. It uses the exact word. Yeah. There's no more pain. Knowing somebody's not there, in my mind, triggers pain and sorrow. Right. But Scripture says there is no pain and sorrow. Right. So that's one of those things that just kind of blows your mind when, yeah. you, when you really try to wrap your head around it. And, you know, that's that, that's one of those questions I call my pastor, and, and <laughs> Charlie helped me with it. It's funny. We were sitting on the bed the other night, and my, my oldest son, Lane, who's been on here before, he just realized – he knew it, but he put two and two together that Charlie has a doctorate in divinity. And that just kind of was blowing Lane's mind the other night. That, okay, he's got a doctorate 
intervening. He said, I want to ask Charlie, what keeps you up at night? You know, because we think about all these things that's <laughs> down here, but he's he's kind of put Charlie up here like he knows a lot. And so he's, yeah, I think he's ready to take Charlie to breakfast and just start drilling him with questions. But it, even for somebody like Charlie, even for people who know much more about the Bible than you or I do, there's still things that you just say, I don't know. And that's yeah. that's where faith comes in. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. Sometimes we just, we don't know. And we just got to trust what God's word says. That's it. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. We're back, and we have some important races coming up. We talked about it a little bit a little bit ago, but uh, Lane is a bit unlucky. He's got a couple of guys in his uh, division that are. He, Lane runs in three A class, right. which is which is one of the smaller school classifications mm-hmm. in the state. It goes all the way up to seven A, but the two guys that are in his classification are as good as anybody in any classification. So Lane has been – he's been dealing with this his whole life, right? In triathlon. In triathlon, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. the, the best triathlete in the country is the same age as Lane. Yeah. So he's never had a chance to be completely away from him. But I think – I think that – what I like to have seen Lane just all out win some of these races, yes. But – I think it's been the best thing for him as an athlete overall. I think, you know, Andrew Schellenberger is the number one ranked triathlete in the country for the junior elite, which is 19 and under. Um, Lane has been (laughs) – Andrew's from Indianapolis. Um, Lane has been racing him since they were six. They're great friends. You know, when they they travel out of the country and, and race, they room together. Great young man. But he has been so good for Lane. Lane is if if Andrew were not there, Lane would not be as fast of a triathlete as he is. Yeah. And the same thing for for these two guys, uh, Justin Watchell and Andrew Jones. You know they those guys have raised the bar. Yep. And a lot of these athletes have risen to the challenge and. Lane is, I think, so much faster as a track athlete because he, not that he races those guys all the time, but you darn sure better know that he's looking at their times, yep. especially Devin, and then he's telling Lane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have another kid on the team is who one of those running nerds who's always looking at the stats, and he's saying, hey, Lane, you know what? These guys, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I see in your notes that, you know, a former 
professional cyclist at Lane, you know, one of Lane's buddies, he won state the state championship when he was in high school with a time that was slower than what Lane just ran at sectionals and got fourth. Yeah. Um yeah. So yeah, I I I look at it as a good thing because yeah. I've always said the worst thing for an athlete, especially a young athlete, is to have too much success too young. Yeah. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh we see it. We've seen it multiple times now where you can have this success at a really early age and you kind of just sit back on your natural talent and um hard work beats natural talent every time when natural talent fails to work. Yep. And that's usually what happens when you have that super high success at a very early age, you just kind of sit back on your natural talent. Yeah. And about the high school age is when those tables start to turn and you start seeing the athletes who've learned to work hard. I mean, yeah. one thing we can say about Lane is nobody's going out working. Yep, that's true. And that's going to benefit Lane, I think, in the long run as he as he continues on in his triathlon career. So, yeah, but it's – I he, love to watch. And, and that's not saying anything. I mean, Andrew Schellenberger – is naturally talented and a crazy hard worker. Andrew yeah. Jones and Justin Watchell are naturally talented and crazy hard workers. So that's not saying, but to be to be f- rolling with those guys long term is a good thing. It absolutely is. And Lane's got some lofty expectations. He does or, or goals, I guess we should say. And if he's going to reach those goals, that's the best way to reach them is is to have those those guys pushing yeah, them you, on. Yeah, you don't want to be being out front for years and years and years is an exhausting place to be. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you want to be out front at the right time. Yeah. And for, for Lane, that's that's not today. That's seven years from now, you know, for what he's he's trying to do. So, yeah, it's going to be – it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Now, you know, I may have to write a story about this at some point in time, talking about life's not fair. Um, we've got a – there's a girl – on Lane's team, mm-hmm. who ran a time that actually would both her mile and her two mile time would have won the other sectionals. The way it works in the state of Georgia is there's two sectional meets that have different regions that compete to, to go to the state meet. Sure. And you have to finish in the top eight at your sectional to make it to the state meet. She would have won both the mile and the two mile. She didn't even she didn't even make it in the mile. She was ninth, mm-hmm. and in the two mile, she barely made it. She finished eighth, mm-hmm. and she would have won. And both. she was a state champion two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. And so, gosh, talk about talk about tough competition, uh, and all of a sudden, um, yeah. of course, I, I I sent her a message here recently, and I said, I want you to remember, you were only fifteen seconds behind second place. Mm-hmm. So she was eighth. But only fifteen seconds separated her from second place. You gotta. She has that fifteen seconds in her legs, though. She, she, she don't have it in her mind right now. But hopefully, that's gonna. I hope. Hopefully, this weekend that switch is gonna flip. Yeah. And then that guy's four by eight hundred meter team. They got a chance to do something special. I think it's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, it's time for Dean's thoughts. That's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. You know, Mother's Day wasn't long ago. And so I was thinking about mothers. And so this one is called Motherly Outlook. I'm going to share something with you that may or may not be accurate, but I heard it and I thought it could be true. So here goes. There is less crime committed on Mother's Day. 
Although I don't know if that's correct, it feels accurate, and that's why I want to discuss it. After hearing that, all of us have an opinion as to why that might be true, right? Like, even criminals love their moms and want to spend time with them. Or, it feels bad to commit a crime on a day meant to honor mothers. Maybe it's just the one day that no one wants to feel guilty about doing something wrong. Whatever the case may be, we can all see a possible connection, and all of those connections have something in common. They all put the focus onto mom. Isn't it amazing what can happen when we put our focus on something positive? I'm sure, I'm sure that well over 95% of the population have positive feelings about their mother. It is one of the few things in life that we all have a positive feeling about. Mothers, well, they're more popular than ice cream, puppy dogs, and sunshine. <laughs> you know what else would change if we changed our focus to one of positivity? Running. So many people dread the run. Sometimes we look at the next uh, the next workout like we look at a dentist appointment. It has to be done, but we don't have to like it. Who among us is not guilty at times? Let me suggest we look at running more like Mother's Day and less like a dental appointment. Really? Couldn't that make all the difference? Imagine how much easier it would be if we had only positive thoughts about running. I realize that it's much easier to say it than to do it, but it is possible to see the positive side of running. So, the next time you have to squeeze a run into the day, think about mom and her positivity rather than your dentist chair and his tools. It may change the entire outlook of the run. Our relationship with Christ is similar. How do you look at God? Do you look at him as a loving father gently encouraging you to do good things? Or do you see him as a school principal waiting for you to step out of line so he can smite you with a two-by-four? Which one do you want to spend time with today? The encourager or the smiter? Of course, you want to spend time with the one who wants to see you do great things. The run is beckoning, but it is doing so in an effort to make you healthier and more fit, not to make you feel like the inside of a dirty sock. God is beckoning, too, because he is a good father who wants to shower you with love and not admonishment. And that is the mother of all truth. <laughs> I like how you finished that there. Good job, Dean. Uh, I bet you didn't know you could put Mother's Day, the dentist, and running all in one story. I didn't, and we need to apologize to our good friend Billy Barton, um, who is a dentist sponsor of the Run Club. You just completely trashed his practice. So we're sorry, Billy. Uh, but, but no, seriously. But remember that, that Mitchell's the one that brought your name up, Billy. <laughs> but the dentist is necessary, though. It is. That's the truth. It is. Just like running and just like Jesus. But outlook and perspective is so important. Because it is. the truth is, when we go to the dentist, then, then good things happen afterwards. We don't like the trip, but the good things happen. The good byproducts, just like running. That, you get done with the run, nobody ever said, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yep, yep, yep. So I, I'm going to put you on spot here because the other day we're going for a run mm -hmm. and we made a turn and you're like, let's go run over here. And we. This we, is twice we've done this. We started running over here and there were hills. Yeah. And you were like, uh, that's not what I was first, what I was thinking this was going to be like. So what was your first thought at that point? I don't like hills and I don't like running with Dean Thompson. It's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we did this a couple of weeks ago. You know, we, we, we're leaving the, the region track meet, 
and uh, you and I were going to go out for a run, and I have no business running with you, number one. And so we take off, and I think we're going down this long country road. I have this vision in my mind of what this run's going to look like, and I can see from the stadium this long country road going through the trees and the farms and the cows, and I'm like, this is going to be an awesome run. So you and I get out, and we get about a half mile in, and we round this curve, and it looks like Mount Kilimanjaro (laughs) right in front of us. And I turn around, and I say, nope, not doing that. And then, of course, I get the – smart aleck remark from you oh come on and so i make a circle and i head back up the hill so mad at you i can't see straight because it was supposed to be an easy run it wound up being the hill workout for that week and then this past week we do the same thing we're running in downtown atlanta which is by no means flat people think big cities are flat this one's not and i say let's turn down through this neighborhood so we make a left-hand turn and it's like the road goes straight off <laughs> down a big old hill. And I turned around, and I didn't give in this time. Turn around, and it, yeah, it's uh, you you know what that you know what that's called, right? That that first time when I said what I said, going going up that hill, that's, a nagging running partner. That's that's giving you a dose of your own medicine because that is totally something you would have done. It it is, and yeah. it hurts. And I'm glad you did it now that we're done, but. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's. I'm glad I did it once I did it. But then you didn't do it this last time. Yeah, but I was feeling horrible that day. You really were. I, I was feeling horrible that yeah, day. Yeah. Um, but that's no excuse. I, I tell you what's slowed coming back. You know, the, the whole fitness thing is a lot slower coming back than it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm the coming back to running. You know, we say run club is – for everybody and there's three groups there's never have run there's coming back to running and there's people who've never stopped running running club fits all those people well i'm i'm kind of coming back after almost a year off uh from running I'm, I'm coming back but the fitness is coming back okay the strength is coming back okay the lungs are coming back okay but the hardcoreness the punch it in the mouth mentality that I've always been known for. I I love hardcore stuff. That's a little bit slower coming back. I don't yeah. know if that's an age thing or what. Now, if it's raining, I'm going out and running. If it's storming, I'm going out and running. I'm I'm still hardcore. But hills, <laughs> I used to love to attack hills, but that is slow to come back right now. Yeah. And so maybe that's why God is putting hills in my route that I can't see when I start almost every run. Um, <laughs> well, it, I, I don't like hills either. Um, but I say this all the time. We get to run. We don't have to run. Yeah. And and I think that the way we look at that is important. Um, do you think we can start looking at running like we do, Mom? I mean, could could we – we wouldn't dread a run if our mom was in our mind every time we went out to run right i mean you can't do that you can't see i don't know that i i don't i've never had a problem with dreading no a run okay i i have a problem sometimes when i get into the run and it's not going okay like i pictured it whether that's the terrain or the way i feel or whatever that's that's kind of the part i'm working on coming back right now is is the mental aspect of when it starts to get tough 
that mental fortitude of I don't care. And sometimes it's a birdie on your shoulder in the name of Dean saying, you big sissy, why are you turning around? Let's turn back around and go up this hill. That's that's a good thing. That's why we need to have people around us yeah. during times of not only in our fitness life, our faith life, but in our fitness life to say, you pansy, come on, let's go. We, yeah. we need that kind of motivation sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't necessarily have a problem getting out the door. Yeah. It's – it's the when it gets tough is where it's hard for me yeah yeah when you get the resistance well i can't help but think about isaiah 55 8 9 with this story for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways says the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts um we just talked about this yeah a while ago yeah it's 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 good that god's thoughts are better than ours isn't it Mm mm-hmm and that we don't know everything you know sometimes yeah. ignorance is bliss yeah um yeah. It, it would it's kind of like that run if if i could from the stadium if i could see that big hill we would have gone went that way. direction yep um and that's kind of like god knows what's around every corner for us sometimes it's trials mm-hmm. but he he doesn't let us see that too far in advance he he keeps that street light off yeah until we get there and then he's like, I'm here with you. You know, he's kind of like Dean there saying, we're going up this hill. Um, yeah, that's very comforting. You know, that. Yeah. That's that awesome. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You. Yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. All right, so there was a big track meet this weekend, which you probably had no idea was going on. I saw Lane watching it, yeah, but I didn't watch it. But it was, and it was good. Um, it was a little bit of a letdown because some of the guys that were supposed to be there either weren't there or didn't run a whole race. Donovan Brazier, uh, best 800 meter runner in the world, was running against all three, the next three best 800 meter runners in the United States, all in the same race, which they haven't raced together in years. And it was going to be great to watch Donovan Brazier. I don't know if he didn't show up. I don't know what happened to him, honestly. I didn't didn't look that deep. Was he scared? I, 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 Donovan Brazier doesn't seem to be the type to back down for anything. But, yeah. you know, maybe so. And then you had, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who's the steeplechaser. His name is escaping me right now, but it'll, it'll hit me in a minute. Uh, but he came back. He hasn't run in a couple of years. He's had some injury problems and things like that. And so he, he was he was signed up for this race. And you thought that's awesome. We're going to get to see him run uh, because this is a guy who legitimately has a shot at a gold medal in in the steeplechase. And he wound up pacing another guy uh, hmm. in the steeplechase through two thousand meters and then dropped out. Uh, and that was his intention all along. And so 
little little bit of a letdown from from those standpoints but there were some still some pretty cool things that went on and the coolest thing of the meet was dk metcalf do you know the name dk yeah metcalf? i, I Did you I hear heard about, that? about this was going on i didn't yeah. actually watch it yeah and so dk metcalf is a wide receiver for the seattle seahawks um, and he came and ran the hundred meters in this professional track meet and i'll tell you a lot of people are giving dj dk a hard time because he got throttled i mean he, he got beat he was 17th out of 19 i think but he's a football player Right, right. Yeah, but I thought it took a lot of guts yeah. for him to step on the line. Yeah, when and, the world's best. Yes, and and he held his own pretty well. He ran 10.36, I think yeah. it was, which is, you know, it's nowhere near the Olympic standard or whatever, but, um, but it's good. That's a good time. And so, uh, so anyway... I, I, so do you think that would... You think he's the fastest, would be the fastest 100-meter guy in the NFL? They say he's not. They really? they say there there's at least one or two others that they feel like are faster. And so there's only one way to find out, and I wish they would do it. They need to have, like, NFL track meets. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? You know what they used to have? You don't even know about this, I bet you. And for, their, for all the old people that are listening to this, they're going to go, I remember that. They had this battle of the NFL stars back years back in the 70s or 80s where they took nfl players in the off season and they did like obstacle course races and they did uh they did different contests for these football players and had teams compete against each other or players compete against each other it was fun to watch yeah i would i would watch that track meet yeah. you know if you had a bunch of nfl players and you do a full-blown track meet all yeah. field events and everything yeah distance events and everything <laughs> yeah. yeah watch these guys just crumble in the two miles <laughs> it'd be great i think that would be a lot of fun to watch i guarantee you get some eyeballs on some television screens oh, yeah for yeah. sure because you hear you know you say it all, all the time you know you hear all these different times of four three forty i don't even know what all that means but we always say it all the time. It doesn't impress me that you beat somebody's time. It impresses me when you beat somebody. Well, put these guys head to head, and I guarantee the dynamics would be very different. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So anyway, um, it was it was a neat thing to see. It was supposed to be again Brazier, Hopple, Murphy, Harris were all supposed to run the 800. That was supposed to be a great race. Now Hopple did win. He is the set the second ranked 800 meter runner, and so um, it was good to see him run well. Um, Ellie Perrier uh, ran a personal best of 358 for the 1500 meters which is really really good for an American 1500 meter runner there's still some time before the Olympics she's got a chance to have an impact hmm. on the Olympics and Ellie is a relatively newcomer uh, she's been around for a while but she's not been as good as she has over the last year or two the pandemic has been good to Ellie um, so really excited to see how she progresses going forward because our old 1500 meter ladies and um, the names again are, are escaping me right now but they're 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 getting to that point where they're they're old enough that they're this is this is a, the new blood i guess yeah. you'd say um the u.s men and women dominated the 200 and i mentioned earlier when we were talking about allison felix she finished second in this race mm. um, and these were the best in the world and so um, that was really cool to see um, i'd love to see her back in the olympics again and i get, obviously she's working towards that and then sean mcgordy is the guy who debuted in the three thousand this was his first three thousand meter steeplechase now you got to understand the steeplechase is not like 
the mile, the 1500 meters, the 10K, any other race, because there's a whole different dynamic to it because you're jumping over barriers. And so most people who run their first steeplechase don't do it well their Hmm. first time. He got the Olympic standard in his first try. Now, this guy is a former NCAA 5,000-meter champion. He's a he's a crazy fast runner. But for him to come out at the steeplechase on his first try and run 8.20 was a pretty amazing thing. So um, the American record is 8.01, I think, or 8 flat. And so he's within striking distance of that. As fast as he is in all these other events, he stands a chance at doing making some noise in the Olympics. In, in the Kenyan event, because steeplechase is a Kenyan event, if there ever was really? one. More so than the marathon, even. Wow. Uh, the steeplechase has been owned by the Kenyans for years. It is time for a new trivia question. And so this one's very, very simple. Um, but I say it's simple. The story is not necessarily simple. So this one's going to require a little bit of research for some of you. For some of you. Some of you may know the answer to this. The official distance of the marathon is 26 miles, 385 yards. It is an odd number. Why is that the distance? Do you know why the marathon is 26 miles, 385 yards? There's a whole story behind that. I think a lot of people think they know. They think they they think. I think I've heard this. I don't remember what the answer is, but it's not what you normally – it's not the conventional wisdom. Right, right. exactly so you need to dig on this one i'm just going to go ahead and put that out there this is not the distance that was run from from yeah phidippides ran from marathon to greece right uh, to athens rather that that a lot of people will say that legend that will be wrong if you send me that i'll be like i'm sorry that's incorrect right so uh so send your answers to dean at runforgod.com not Facebook Messenger, not customer service at runforgod.com, but Dean at runforgod.com, along with your T-shirt size. And if you get this right, if you're the first one to get it right, we'll send you a Run Club box right there. there. Yeah. All right. Here is why running is so awesome. <laughs> We've talked about this, and I just love this. It's the official sport of the Bible. I mean, it just is. Absolutely. Right? Running is referenced in the Bible many times. Paul mentioned it in particular a lot. Um, you think maybe Paul was a runner? Maybe that's why he, he had mentioned to be. it so often. I mean, he was always running from something. Well, that's true. <laughs> People were always chasing him. That's a good point. Uh, running was a big sporting event in that day too. You didn't have football and basketball and soccer and well, you might have had some, no. They, probably, they didn't have soccer. I think pneumatics was probably not a foreign thing then. They might have had some form of it, um, but I don't think they had um, rubber bladders and things to blow up balls <laughs> yeah. in that day. So. Uh, no, we didn't. We have mentioned in the past. Jacob did do some wrestling, so sure. wrestling is mentioned in the Bible too. Um, but I just want to point out the most popular sports: football, baseball, basketball. Not mentioned in the Bible Mm-mm. at all. So, running is our motivational thought of the week. Mental will is a muscle that needs exercise, just like the muscles of the body. I was just talking about that. Yeah, you were. The willpower. Yep. Yeah. That comes from Lynn Jennings. Lynn Jennings is a longtime, actually a world cross country uh, champion. Uh, Lynn Jennings is a, a phenomenal runner. Uh, been around for a long time. The brain is so important. Uh, and we can train it. I, I think some people just, they're like, I'm just, I'm just weak. Well, you can be stronger. 
Right. You can work on being mentally stronger. Uh, we people do it all the time. Um, <clears throat> and I have college athletes that I coach all the time. We talk about classes all the time, and we talk about the, how they how they do in their classes and things like that. Incidentally, I got to brag. My cross country ladies, they just finished a semester with an overall GPA of three point eight five. That's awesome. We have nine girls on the team. Five had perfect four point Wow. Man, I'm so proud of those girls. Anyway, um, we don't think about it. When we think of classes, we think about the training and the things that we learn in class. We can do the same thing in, in just the mental strength that we have. We can do the same thing. Um, and it's, yeah, I think we discount the mental side of everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially for the people out there listening who are, are going longer or going mm-hmm. to the marathon with us. The physical side – when, when you're doing a 5K, the physical is probably up here and the mental is probably somewhere right here. You can kind of wheel your way through a lot of things at, at those distances. But as as we go marathon, the mental side gets much and much and much higher because mm-hmm. it it's a it's an internal battle many times. It's not a physical battle. It's a battle in the mind of, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. This is not the day to do this. Every excuse in the world when you start reaching out and touching some of those longer distance will come into your mind and you you need to be training that now. So at these, you know, if you're, if you're doing the 10 K challenge right now and you're, you're looking at that five mile run and you're going, you you need to get over that right now because that's not going to get easier. The five mile run is going to get easier, but that battle in your mind is going to continue all the way through the marathon. And if you can learn to nip that in the bud, if you can learn to overcome that mental obstacle, man, that will transform. That will that will bleed over into every area of your life. So when whatever life throws at you, if if you've got cuz that that is a that is a character trait. Yep. And that bleeds over to everything. So just know that. It's the 5 miles may get easier, but the the mental battle will always be there. It's how well you learn to deal with it. That's right. All right, everybody, you're doing great. Keep up the great training. Keep up all of those things that you're doing. Keep supporting one another as you do. Keep glorifying God in your running and everything that you do. Um, You're an inspiration to somebody out there. Never forget that. Now, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.